to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. So welcome back. I know it's been so long since our season finale of season one just a few weeks ago, but uh, welcome to season two, episode one. I just couldn't help myself. I've been diving into all kinds of different players and I'm ready to come back and put out a podcast. So, yeah, I know the Super Bowl has not even happened yet, and we're still kind of wrapping up this season, but I think there's a lot of stuff we can dive into. In fact, uh, the more I do of Dynasty playing as a player and just adding more teams and, and kind of diving into you know, more input and more, more information as I've kind of started doing this podcast and just kind of being more serious about um, looking at it, I just enjoy it. It's kind of like a, a hobby to the extreme. Um, I just find that it's kind of fun to and, and very helpful throughout the process to do multiple stages of analysis, um, to not just wait till after the draft, everyone's drafted, you see where the teams, the players are, and then just to go ahead and from there decide, okay, how am I going to value these players? You know, it does, you know, that does eliminate some of the, the work beforehand, and therefore if you want a shortcut, um, you're basically waiting to see what the teams do and then saying, okay... I've got the information that the teams have, and therefore, you know, and what the teams think of them, and that gives me as much information as I think I need. Um, but we, as dynasty players, we're kind of playing a different game, as I've talked about before. Um, so when I do my analysis, I'm not looking at it from a football perspective or an NFL perspective, but rather I'm looking at it from how are we going to use this guy as a dynasty player? Is he usable? Um, all these different things. So for me, when I want to check out a player. I'm oftentimes trying to translate through all these different scenarios that I've seen over the last 15 years of watching football and also, you know, understanding that things can always change and have to be open-minded to and a willingness to to see what may not be there. So with that in mind, I really am excited to do some player analysis, on, especially on some of these top prospects, some of these guys that are coming in and there's a lot of talk about because we haven't had the combine yet. Um, that's going to give us a lot of information about these guys, just seeing how, especially this year's draft, I think as we see, there's a lot of wide receivers um, that are kind of bunched up there that no one really has real clarity on. And a big part of them separating themselves is going to really be what people see, whether this is fair or not, um, in terms of what they can do at the combine, on, on the different three-cone drills, on even the 40 time. Um, those things matter. It, it, it just kind of it gives them, solidifies what they've seen on tape, and, and we'll do the same for us as well. And I think that that's where it's kind of fun to go watch tape and just watch the tape. And right now there's not a whole lot of scouting reports on these players. You know, there's kind of minimal reports, but a lot of my favorite guys haven't done any kind of scouting on some of these players that I really want to, you know, say, hey, what, what do you so-and-so think about this? But at the same time, that makes it kind of, you know, interesting because it, it allows me to kind of come in and say, okay, let's just see my first my first eye test my first perception of this player. Uh, let's do a little research on their past. Maybe let's look into, you know, kind of the personality traits that we may think they have. Let's do a little of our own social psychology session uh, along with football scouting and see if we can't, you know, look over this player and come up with something that maybe doesn't isn't the end-all be-all, but is like a good foundation so that we can use that moving forward to the combine, moving forward to the NFL draft, and, and even throughout their career, um, I, that's the way I like to look at it. And so I'm kind of like doing that with all the players and I'm just going to kind of share as I kind of dive in on these different players. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about three different players. And the way I've kind of structured it is I'm going to talk about a college prospect and I'm going to try to do this um, pretty much every podcast, you know, not every podcast because I like to mix in some social psychology stuff. 
and, and just random thoughts. And I don't want to be too formulaic, but my goal is to have sort of a formula which is just simplified to being uh, a college prospect where I can talk about a player, um, give some things of my opinion, kind of what I've seen scouting and whatnot, and then talk about a couple of different players that are in the news. Um, maybe not necessarily in the news, but kind of just whether they're a player that's questionable. Um, so I'll just give you, for example, today our, our three players are going to be Nikhil Harry. So we're going to talk about one of the top wide receiver prospects um, coming out in the draft. And then we're going to talk about Damian Williams, the Chiefs running back. And it's just because his name has been, you know, everyone's talking about him. There's a lot of uh, question marks. There's a lot of things that people are kind of saying, should I hold on to him? Where should I value him? So I think he's a good one to talk about. And along the same lines, we're going to talk about Robert Foster, the wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. So my goal is to kind of just grab a few different players, kind of dynasty spotlight them, kind of give a deep dive on this player and see if we can't come up with some sort of foundation to to look at moving forward um, and kind of decide, okay, what do I think after you know as the pieces fall in place, whether it's Damian Williams in free agency and, and, and you know and whatnot. So in terms of um, th- looking at these players and, and dynasty values, well, I'm also going to be looking at um, the what I like to call the desirability scale. So some of these players won't be players that are necessarily in the news, but maybe have um, what I think is a high or a low um, place on the desirability scale in ter- compared to um, what their actual performance is on the field. And what I mean by this is there's certain players who, based on their likability, based on how they dress, their Twitter, you know, how they act on Twitter, all these different things, whether they, you know, just whether they're cool or they're not cool, um, whether they get girls or don't get girls, those kind of things make a huge difference. I think talked about last year, Jimmy Garoppolo um, just seemed to have a huge, was benefited hugely by this desirability scale that it didn't really matter what his numbers were or his production. He was going to get a boost above that um, just based on some of these cool factors. And so every year I think there's guys um, that are boosted up just based on desirability and also guys who are kind of overlooked because they just have a low desirability and yet it really is not reflective of their football you know their ability to play football and so those are kind of things that that I will also try to incorporate um, in in our scouting and in our looking at these players it's just try to identify um, where we might find some value because we can compare um, you know what a player does and kind of eliminate some of these exterior factors that don't necessarily have to, to do with football so Let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, we're going to talk about Nikhil Harry first. Nikhil Harry, I'm sure if you've been following college football or you've been you know, kind of in the Debbie world, um, is one of the top wide receivers. There's, there's quite a few receivers that are bunched together here, and, and it's going to be a matter of everybody kind of picking their own poison. And also seeing the combine and seeing where they get drafted, um, I think will have a huge effect. I think a lot of people right now are already saying, like, well, there's no idea who the number one is, and it's the first year ever where we don't know who the consensus one one is. But, you know, I think that's it's still to be seen. I think there's still a good chance that as we come down after the combine, after the draft, um, the buzz will start up on one. I mean, Josh Jacobs right now, oh my goodness, the Josh Jacobs train, he'll be 1-1 before you know. He practically is 1-2 already in, in some different boards I've seen, which I'm not saying I completely disagree with. I haven't di- dove into J- to Jacobs quite yet enough. I've seen a little bit of him, and I, and I like what I see. But I also, he seems to have come kind of out of nowhere. And, and this one, he is one where we really do want to see what the NFL teams think of him and where he ends up. Um, but I think as we move forward, um, we will have a, a more of a consensus. It will start to separate. There will be a 1-1 and a 1-2 and a 1-3. 
um, or pretty close to it. You know, there might be um, some switching around there, and maybe we don't. Maybe there is no consensus when we get there and you see a lot of different ones. And that would be interesting, to be honest with you. I'm kind of tired of seeing where we all, everybody just kind of says, oh, this guy's one and this guy's two, and it never really works out that way. But during the draft process, everybody sticks to it so tightly. It gets just this kind of weirdness to it that if you can break away from that, in any way and finding you know a player that's not in that mold you might actually you know get a real score uh, just by not being kind of stuck with the sheep um but that you know that's beside the point so anyway let's talk about the kill harry for a second let's, let's talk about his physical profile first coming out of high school he was a four-star prospect um pretty highly touted like i think it was uh 24 7 had him 97 like a 97 rating which is you know like a five stars like a 99 rating um anything below f- 99 you get down to 98s and you're starting to get down to four star but i mean there's guys that that had an 88 rating or a 90 rating that have turned out to be great players it's not a big teller i think what you just want to see is kind of like what the progression is personally i just kind of like to to follow his career see um where he came from and one thing i read and noticed about him is he came from a background um where he played multiple sports he was um he played baseball and some martial arts and things before he actually came to football. And that's always a good sign for me because I think um, there's a lot of sports that develop coordination in different ways um, that are helpful to the end product of a football player. And I think if guys just play football, um, it, it may limit that ability to develop some of those other special uh, skill sets, especially wide receiver positions. Uh, wide receiver is you know, a skill position, maybe more so than a lot of the other offensive positions you know like running back stuff that we deal with wide receivers are very skilled and and they need um you know great body control and those type of things so uh, along those lines he does have great body control he's very big i think he's he looks bigger than he is um he's re- listed about 6'3 6'4 215 pounds um some say he's you know almost 220 or something so he's a big guy he's definitely a big guy but he's not you know I don't. He, when you see him, he looks really large, and I think it's because he has a, a very large upper body um, in comparison to his lower body. So I'm not gonna say that's a huge negative for me, but I certainly prefer my receivers and my running backs, and just in general, my football players to have much larger trunks, uh, lower lower legs than upper body. Other upper body, the arms are only so important, and you don't really need that big of muscles. Um, so that, that's one thing I, I do notice. He's a little top heavy. Um, but let's let's talk about some of the other things about him. He's really competitive. He's big, strong. He's physical. Um, he's got a lot of those skills um, that you see from number one wide receivers. Um, what the downsides and people talk about with him is that he doesn't, you know, he's not that fast. That he doesn't have huge, great separation. He is, in, and they've got him listed in high four fives. Um, it's just kind of like a, what people are guessing, I guess, as to what he can run. We will find out. And this is one of those ones where if he's, you know, if he runs a, a, a slower than four five forty, four six or whatever, it's people are going to start putting him with the Laquan Treadwell, uh, whether that's fair or not. Um, I just think because you do need some speed, and, and I mean, this is where people always forget that Jerry Rice, I think, ran a four six five or something. Jerry Rice was not fast. Um, but it's also a different time, and, and he had an amazing ability to not only outwork everybody, but just his uh, route running skills and everything were just phenomenal and beyond. So I, I think it's it's one of those things where most guys can't get away with being you know a little bit slow. You have you know you need that elite speed. So and the other thing I noticed about him is, is he doesn't have that really short area quickness. He, when I see him running, and he does sometimes he's out running some defensive backs. I'll see him break away, and he. 
he can get up to top speed where he's running faster um, than some a very good cornerback, and he's much larger than that guy, so that guy is not going to have a great chance of tackling him uh, once he gets up to that speed. But there's that's the the game of college and the game of pro are very different in the sense that pro players on defense aren't going to allow you that many opportunities to get that full head of steam. Um, you're going to be caught in a lot more situations where you're going to have to create that space on your own, and that takes either strength or short area quickness. Uh, he definitely has the strength, but you know, like I said, I'd prefer a combination of both, and I'd prefer short area quickness over strength uh, when it comes to the wide receiver position personally. Um, he's an okay route runner. I, I don't see like huge nuance in his routes, but I do see like craftiness. Um, I've just saw a couple different breakdowns on him. And what I watched and saw as far as his uh, intermediate kind of short routes, he's crafty. He gets it done. I think on his deep routes and everything, he relies more on just his ability down the field. But that's kind of deep routes. I think that he doesn't have the speed to separate, so he's he kind of just has to fight for the ball a little bit more than than one would like. And that's where the other thing I noticed is he doesn't have, I don't feel like he had a great release. I've read that he had a great release, that he's got fantastic release moves and all these things. I didn't really see anything to tell me he had a great release. Maybe his hand hand work was good, but I also saw just a, not an explosion, not a lot of juice. Um, so that to me is a big part of getting that, that off the line, you know, burst is having some juice. And I didn't see a huge amount of that. A little bit of lumbering. So, Let's talk comparable players that um, we can compare him to on the high end and the low end. Um, the low end, I see, you know, Devin Funchess, Muhammad Sanu type, Laquan Treadwell, um, you know, that kind of lower end, you know, and he could be worse than that. I'm not saying that that's his floor is even a Devin Funchess or something, but he, most likely I don't see him go. He being much worse than a Laquan Treadwell or Muhammad Sanu where, you know, he has his place. <clears throat> you find a team and a quarterback who likes him, um, and and he's he's a you know very physical player. Um, on the high end, and this is where I actually I lean. I think that Nikhil Harry, from what I've seen and just from what my gut tells me, um, because what my gut oftentimes looks for is is somebody's want to, uh, the desire to play football. Because I think if as the years go on, um, and you start really taking a pounding in in the sport. It, it takes a lot of desire to stick around and to really excel. Um, those guys who don't really want it, they eventually will find a way or an excuse or an injury or something that will derail that. So for me, I definitely see a want to. I think that he does want to be great, and he just he seems to love football, and he likes the physicality of the game. So that's a positive for me. And, and I don't know if you remember Andre Johnson. He reminds me a little bit of Andre Johnson. I don't think he's as fast as Andre Johnson was, and I think that the league is a little different than the time when Andre Johnson used to play. Um, but I do think that that's it's kind of an if he you know high upside of Andre Johnson. I also have on here Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Williams, uh, even a little Anquan Bolden. Um, I I really for a minute when I watched him, I thought of Juju Smith-Schuster at first, and then I went and I watched some more Juju from college. And I don't. I think that Juju is is a better prospect, and I'll tell you why. I think it's just that quickness. The Juju has a little more explosion, a little more juice in his legs. Um, he just seems to be able to separate. Um, when I watch with Nikhil Harry, I feel like 
there's a lot more contact. He's taking a lot more contact and having to break through tackles, and it takes a little longer for him to get up. The acceleration maybe is not there. So I would I, I don't think he's going to be quite on Juju's level, but I also think that he's got that kind of game. I mean, he is a physical, smart um, prof, profiles as a number one receiver who's going to have after the catch ability, who's going to have end zone, red zone ability. Um, there's a lot of things that, that this guy. So he's definitely up at the top of the list. Um, would I say he's for sure one one? Would I say for sure he's you know going to be better? I think you know when you're looking at the wide receiver class, everyone has been hyping this receiver class. I don't know if that's because you know it, it, that's fine. He may be you know these guys might be the best in their class. My concern is how do they match up against previous classes? How do they? How does that relate to the current NFL? What you know we've seen guys that came out of college expected to be these high prospects like Equinemius St. Brown and they've kind of gotten pushed down the draft Deion Kane and the, because of a shift in the NFL where the desire for these go jump ball kind of just go get the ball my ball mentality guys is less and less and more there's a need for for precision route running and granted it can it can shift back and forth really quick because teams you know they're going to find an advantage um, that they take care of one year and then the defense adjusts so then they have to find a different advantage. So it's, it's almost good that teams have a, a multiple players of different skill sets. But at the same time, it is interesting and we have to monitor that. So it's it's hard to say. Right now, Nikhil Harry and, these, and Harmon and these different receivers are getting pushed up to first-round level. Um, but I'm curious to see where NFL teams are actually going to draft them um, because that's that will give us a little more. Now, that doesn't say for sure because we've seen – number of years now where the Josh Doxons and Laquan Treadwell's got first round um, pedigree or first round, you know, they, they got that status and that treatment as a first round pr- prospect, but then they haven't, you know, still haven't panned that out. They're still fighting and trying to figure out how to make an impact in the NFL. So when we get to the bottom line with Nikhil Harry, I do think he's one of the safer picks up here. I, I see some other receivers um, that I'm not so sure. I don't I don't necessarily think he has star potential, but I do think that there is a potential. There's possible that he could be a star. He could be that number one guy for the right team, gets drafted in the right place, develops with the right quarterback, um, you know, just puts his heads down and grinds and wants it more than the rest. I, I definitely see that he's got the physical potential, but I don't think – there's that very top of the iceberg that he can reach just because he's not super explosive. He's not. And I think that also opens up some bust potential. There is definitely more bust potential with a guy like that because if the want to is not there or if it won't overcome his lack of quickness, there's a chance that we just don't see him on the field a la Laquan Treadwell, you know, where it's just they haven't done enough to really create an impact and there are other guys that can make an impact, whether it's via their speed um, or via their precision route running, that get on the field and are you know, more adaptable to their quarterback than, than Harry would be. But you know, I don't think you can uh, you know, see that until you, you kind of let it play out. But I, you know, I'm excited to see Nikhil Harry in combine um, because I think that will tell us a lot just to see actually how he you know, actually measures up with all his physical traits and how it you know, compares on, on film. And also to see how teams value him and what team he ends up with. So, okay, so the next player we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about Damian Williams now, the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. And part of the reason I want to talk about Damian Williams is I think just I hear a lot of talk about him. And I decided to do, I have quite a few shares of him. I think I mentioned this in my last podcast. I, right at the end of the season there, I kind of just, Spencer Ware was gone everywhere. And I was like, yeah, you know, Damian Williams might catch some passes. Uh, let me pick him up. And it was all, you know, all with the Kareem Hunt uh, fallout. 
and it turned out to be a really good thing and I think the more I read about him the more I'm kind of intrigued by Damian Williams but I, I want to say a few things about that so first of all what's his physical profile what's his history where did he come from so he came from a couple different colleges I think he went to let me see I was looking at him earlier he originally out of he did come out as a running back, and it looks like he actually initially signed with Arizona State. We're just talking about Nikhil Harry. But then he transferred over to Oklahoma. He had some off-the-field issues. It never seemed to really work out. He was never really highly – I think he was like an 86 or something in college. So coming out of high school, he was never super highly touted. Um, so that would be my first impression is, okay, he's not some physical marvel um, – he is big enough to play the position. He does, you know, when you watch him on film, you you see um, some of the traits you want from from a running back. Um, a, he has a receiving ability, which in the modern day running backs is is really important, and and we've seen it. Not and when I read his his college prospect scouting, that was one of the you know he had a. I, I can look it up now, but it was on NFL.com, and I can remember most of it. And basically it said, I think it was like a 4.96 prospect, which is like basically not even rosterable prospect. Um, but when you read what they said about him, there were a number of things that actually said, okay, he could play in this league. You know, it was basically he's big enough, he catches the ball well, he has good quickness and, and you know, good athletic ability. Well, those things right there, it, it kind of it knocked his vision, it's, it knocked a certain things. But you don't know, you know, what all the factors that, that go into that. You don't know what his offensive line. You don't know uh, what he was going through in college. Obviously, he had some off-the-field issues. So fast forward to now. We're talking about a 26-year-old Damian Williams. We're talking about a guy who showed well when he was with the Miami Dolphins. Um, he was kind of Adam Gase's pet project. In fact, let me read to you. I found this when I was reading about Damian Williams. I found this thing um, from March – it was actually when the Dolphins let the Chiefs sign Damian Williams for about a $1.5 million contract, there was speculation, like, why did they do that? It seemed like Adam Gase really loved uh, Damian Williams, and, you know, they kind of asked him, what, you know, what happened there? And he, he basically explained that, well, you know, they felt like he wanted a little bit more out of the gate, so they had kind of moved in a different direction looking for a veteran like Frank Gore, who they ended up signing, um, that could mentor Kenyon Drake. Um but he also, I don't think they anticipated that Damian Williams was going to lower. He basically said when it came back around, meaning when the number got dropped to $1.5 million, I think that was probably something that they would have considered doing. But out of the gate, Williams felt like maybe he had done enough to prove he worth, was worth more, which is just kind of all looking, it all kind of like leading up to saying, yes, Damian Williams wanted more money. He didn't get it, but he went to another team who was willing to give him a decent contract. And the team that he left, the Miami Dolphins, were not necessarily just giving up on him or happy to see him go. So let me read to you something that uh, that Gay said because this is this I thought was really telling. This is something that I just that I want you to keep this in mind that when you become a professional at anything, um, you know you could be 19 years old and you can be 25 years old. Uh, those don't really matter. It matters. Once you've decided to put your mind to something and you're going to, you know, you, I, I know people who at 30 years old have gotten together where they had a kid, uh, whatever it is that wakes you up and makes you put your mind to something um, and you may become a professional and you become completely devoted, that is huge difference than, than what you may see building up to that. Because guys in college, 
there's so many different things going on in their lives. Um, they're trying to figure out who they are. They're still doing dealing with school things, blah, blah, blah. You get into the NFL, you have one focus. And if you can stick for long enough, which Damian Williams has, there obviously is a growth pattern. You've made enough strides. It, it, it's like it compounds on itself. It actually grows. These guys, there's there's a reason he's sticking around and other guys get to the league and they just drop right back out because he's hardened. He's he's made it. There's, a, there's something to that. But listen to what Gaze has to say about him. He says, a tough football intelligent playmaker. He's just the guy that when Sundays come around, he's going to give you everything he has. When things are going bad, you get the ball to him and he'll make something happen. He's got that passion for the game. He's one of the guys I loved being around. Whether it be practice or game day, just seeing him grow over the time we've been together, it was a great experience. That's his head coach. That sounds like a guy who really... It wasn't like Damian Williams was just like another guy on his team. He got great experience out of watching Damian Williams grow. And this is a guy he's talking about that's no longer on his team. He's talking about a player who's already left his team. This is the kind of praise that I, you know, I talked about Philip Lindsay and I talked about um, the reason I bought in on him was, was Brandon Marshall, his own teammate, coming out and just saying, hey, you know, this guy's going to be our third down back. No offense to, to Booker over here, the guy that I played with for a full year, but I think this guy who just showed up is actually better. It takes, when somebody does those, says those kind of, you have to take note because there's no reason that Adam Gase is going to be giving all this love to a guy he just didn't sign unless he really felt that way about him. And I think he did, and I think it's very clear in the way he used him and also just those words that he said about him that this is a guy that figured it out, who's stuck in the league. He has enough size. He has this physical, you know, the, the talent. He's not a game-breaking running back. He is not an elite running back. He never has been. But we as dynasty players are looking for assets that stick. And this is a player that's shown he can stick. Now, would I trade for him? I guess this is the bottom line. Let's let's get into the, the brass tacks, as they say. Would I trade for Damian Williams? Not right now? No. And I'll tell you why. A, he's, he's, the hype train is there. He's, he's still playing football. And, and for, by that, I mean people are still really aware of his abilities and, and every touchdown he scores and everything because it's still happening. And the second part to that is he's still playing football so he can still get injured. Um, you know, he's got two more games left. If you go trade for him now, and I'm, granted, I don't have that many leagues that um, allow trading at this time of year, but I do have a few, and people do make trades like this. And this is one that I would, there's no upside to trading for Damian Williams right now because he could still get hurt in the next two games. He could blow, you know, tear an Achilles, blow out an ACL, something could happen that would affect his entire you know career or next year his entire season next year if you're buying him now you're buying him for next season you might as well let him get through this season before making that investment so that's that's one part of it um, the other thing is is that they're most likely almost 100% going to add somebody else because whether Kareem I mean whether Spencer Ware comes back it's probably a no but he might either way it's kind of like they're they have nobody else. They're, this is the kind of team that is going to, with with the offensive weapons they have, they are going to want to add some sort of running back. And there's, I'm not in love with the running backs in here, but there's enough depth that they could find somebody, even third or fourth round, to complement what they have. And when that happens, Damian Williams' stock will go down. Um, because, you know, we talked about desirability factor and the desirability scale. Damian Williams is low on the desirability scale right now. And it's going to stay that way. I don't think he'll ever jump up to be high on the desirability scale unless he has like multiple dominant seasons or at least even one dominant season. Uh, because he's already 26 years old, because he didn't have a huge draft pedigree, because he's already bounced from team to team, 
there's things that dampen his overall appeal, regardless of whether those things are you know completely fair to the overall picture. So anyway, bottom line for me is if you have Damian Williams, I would hold on to him. If you can buy Damian Williams for cheap, definitely do it. But I would just say most likely I would wait. His value is only going to go down from here as we head into the season, the off season, and the players get. But don't when that happens, don't be like everybody else and just jump off the Damian Williams bandwagon. Remember, he is a player, and he's doing it in the playoffs, and he's helping them win important games right now. Coaches remember that. Coaches want players they can rely on to do it, not not necessarily somebody who you know could be the greatest. There's certain you know things that, that coaches want, and, and reliable running back seems to be one for me. I always I think that guys like Andy Reid and stuff they are not looking for the huge upside as much as they're looking for reliability. And I found that what I see from him and what in the sense I get from him, whether it's Andy Reid talking about him, whether it's Gase, they believe in this guy. He may not be the the best athlete in the world, but he's tough. He loves the game. He's got enough skill set to do it all, and uh, he's been doing it now long enough that he's, you know, he's getting better. He's 26 years old, and he's getting better. That can't be said about a lot of guys, and that's because he's become a pro. There's something about guys who become pro. Not every professional football player becomes a pro. Understand that. There's a lot of them. They're just kids. They're exceptionally gifted kids, but they're and physically gifted does not make you a pro. You know, it's a mental thing. It's a mental approach. And I think he's got it. So I think that's enough to be said about Williams. I, I'm pretty happy about having him, and I think that uh, there is some upside with him. It's just be warned because, like I said, it really just depends on who the Chiefs draft or who the Chiefs add. But if you're asking me if I think the Chiefs value him, yes. Do I think the Chiefs w- um, would be willing to play him next year as their main running back? Yes. Um, we got to wait you know, a little while to get his value back down to where other people don't think that. But I think there is a buy, a buy window somewhere here coming soon. Okay, final player we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Robert Foster, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Um, undrafted, he was <laughs> – this is an interesting one for me. Um, so Robert Foster, he's 6'2", 200 pounds, basically 195 pounds, and he's undrafted. So you automatically you just kind of go, okay – He's one of those guys. He showed up on a team, the Buffalo Bills, who had no weapons. So, of course, he scored a bunch of points. And they didn't, you know, they're the kind of the gunslinger. And you have, you know, Josh Allen just out there throwing the ball, just hucking it down the field. And they're always losing, so they need to score points. Of course, it makes sense, right? But the more I dive into Robert Foster, the more I'm kind of intrigued by the guy. So the first thing I looked at, and I like to do this with all these players, is I like to start back at their high school days. I like to just see what kind of prospect was this guy coming out of high school. Where has his career gone from there? So when you look at Robert Foster, I was blown away to, to realize that Robert Foster, in fact, was a five-star prospect. He came out of high school as the second most highly touted prospect of his class behind Laquan Treadwell. Um, he had a 98.96 prospect rating, five-star. He went to Alabama. So right there, I mean, when I talk about desirability scale, one of the things I find that's interesting about desirability scale is when a guy goes to a big program, that boosts his desirability. So it's interesting that Robert Foster, a guy who was a five-star prospect and went to Alabama, had to do so poorly that he got undrafted and his not, has no desirability. So where, you know, what do we look at? Okay, well, we look at his college production. It's not that great. But he has moments where he showed up. And 
if you look at his quarterback, he he doesn't have you know they didn't have Tua, they had Jalen Hurt, and they had you know a, a run attack. It's a running team. They just dominate so many teams that there's never been really a need for a, a high a high powered passing attack until this year. And I don't even necessarily know if it was a need thing. It's just more so they they had the quarterback to do it with. But nonetheless, it just shows that Robert Foster maybe didn't really have a. a a place to showcase his skills um, in college necessarily. Now, when I read about him and when I've seen from him in college, he is very unrefined. And what the scouts have said about him, when you know, part of the reason he went undrafted, is it was always said he's much more of an athlete than he is a football player. You know, he's much more just physically gifted um, rather than actually showing it on the football field. But he's shown it on the football field now. He's shown it in the pros. So this is where we kind of have to all decide, okay, if I told you that you could have a five-star prospect and he went to Alabama and now he's in the pros and he's lighting it up in his first year, if the only thing about that conversation is that he went undrafted is the negative, then you still got to think there's some positive here, right? Especially when we all talk about situation and situation is oftentimes the quarterback. And not only does Robert Foster seemed to already have rapport with Josh Allen. He's the type of wide receiver, and Josh Allen is the type of quarterback that can make a receiver like Robert Foster work. There are teams that have deep threat, big play guys that don't make enough plays to be impactful for us as dynasty players, but they're still valuable to their NFL team, right? Well, Buffalo is not one of those teams because their quarterback actually thrives in the broken down type of situation. And when I watched Robert Foster's highlights from the Bills, he didn't he was not just a just you know, let me just drop back and huck it down the field. He did a lot of like slants across the middle and what it allowed was it was never a timing route. You know, it's never it doesn't need perfect route running and he, it's it's like Robert Woods, I think of the old Buffalo Bills receiver. He was a perfect route runner. He was a perfect timing route guy. And He's not going to be great with a quarterback like Josh Allen because Josh Allen is not a timing quarterback. He's more like let's just kind of let it break down a little bit and see what you know what we can make of it. And so what I saw was a lot of those two guys figuring out how to make plays when the play breaks down. And I just think that I don't as long as Josh Allen's the quarterback and as long as that team um, is is going to be built in this kind of way, yes, they're probably going to add other players. And I'm not I'm not convinced that Robert Foster is going to be. Um, the number one, but I'm also not completely convinced he's not. I, I There's enough evidence that I could see it go either way. This is the kind of storyline um, that until it actually plays out, we we just make assumptions. And my assumption along the way, you know, was kind of that this guy was just that typical undrafted guy, you know, kind of like uh, what was the kid for Jacksonville last year. There's, there's always somebody who kind of comes out of nowhere um, and, and makes plays, but Never, no one's never really sure whether they're actually legit or whether it's just a losing team hucking the ball down the field. So that is one where we just kind of go, okay, it it could absolutely be that Robert Foster still hasn't refined himself. Yes, he's explosive. Yes, he's an amazing athlete, but he just isn't a football player per se in the sense that when it comes right down to it, he's not going to do all the work and, everything, and all the details. Um, to be in certain systems, but that's certain systems. The system he's in right now is gunslinger football, and he seemed to work fine in that in his very first year. So my feeling is I'm intrigued by Robert Foster. 
I would trade for him. Um, obviously, not, I wouldn't put a huge amount into him because wide receivers, there's just so many of them. Um, and you definitely don't want to be selling out for a guy that's had one year of production and was undrafted. But don't sleep on him either. Don't just assume that he's just a nobody, that just because he was undrafted, he didn't have the physical gifts. This guy's got more physical gifts than just about anybody in his entire draft class. He has the gifts. You watch him run down the field and nobody catches this guy. So it really is about his refinement and his ability to adapt and play in the NFL. And the fact that we've seen it already for a full season in his very first season would make me more inclined to believe that it's going to happen than that it's not going to happen. Um, because we're not speculating anymore. We're seeing it. And he went to Alabama, which means he obviously, when he came out of high school, everyone said, ooh, this is a guy I'd love to have on my team. And then the fact that he goes undrafted means that people didn't buy it anymore, that there was, it wasn't enough on tape to see it. But he found a way to still be on the field, making plays, scoring touchdowns throughout the season in his very first season, coming out undrafted. There's something to be said about that. There's something about a guy that, like I said, he does it. And college is so different than pros. There's so many different things that happen. There's so many different, especially with a school like Alabama where the coach is in charge. And they have just plethora of talent. They had just, I mean, they had Calvin Ridley. They had Amari Cooper. You just go down the list of all these wide receivers that Alabama's had. Yeah, it may not be a surprise that a guy who's really physically gifted but not necessarily the most reliable route runner and hasn't polished himself to the degree where Alabama's running pro-style offenses and needs polish, um, yeah, he might not have fit that system. But the talent is there. He's in a system now in the pros where I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm, I'm actually intrigued. So there you go. That's the podcast. There's my three guys for you. Um, look forward to coming back with some new um, episodes with some different players. I've already kind of got my eyes on some different ones. Um, if you want to get a hold of me and make some suggestions on players that you may want me to talk about you can find me on twitter at big knowledge fo1 that's big knowledge football um, or you can email the show at big knowledge football at gmail and that is it thank you for listening and talk to you soon